Hello, hello, hello out there in podcast land. It's me, your captain, Ezra Brown, and here it is happening again. You're on another wild ride with Ezra's extraordinary extravaganza. Guys, thank you so much for coming back for week two. Thank you so much for being here. We made it to a second episode. They didn't cancel us yet. We're here, and I'm really excited you guys are here because we've got a great guest on the show this week. We've got the locally legendary Peter Davenport on the podcast definitely the greatest comic i know one of the greatest i've seen anywhere and probably the greatest in birmingham though he really hates it when i say that but no seriously everybody there's a lot of guys that get a little bit of power in a local scene and like to lord it over people and pretend how great they are but there's not a lot of guys like that in Birmingham, and Peter's definitely not like that. And it's, um, he's really like, he brings to mind that old adage of, uh, you know, the next Hendrix could be playing in a garage somewhere. It's kind of like the shows are our garage and Peter's the Hendrix. Anyway, he's going to hate that but I don't think he hated the interview and I really don't think you will. I know I didn't. Um, so like I said, you can catch Peter all over town in Birmingham. You can find him on Twitter at casual Thursday. Um, I've got a couple shows coming up. You can catch me Monday, August 9th. I don't know when that is in relation to you listening to this. You can catch me Monday, August 9th on the Cahaba Brewing Showcase. I'll be doing a 10-minute spot there. And you can catch me October 1st in Huntsville at Shenanigans Comedy Theater. Honored to be doing their LGBTQ Pride show. It's going to be a good time. Grab some tickets. Or come out to the free show on at Cahaba Brewing uh, on Monday. Or do both. Do both. But for right now, enjoy my interview with the great Peter Davenport. And I'm very excited to be with you all again next week. Thank you so much. Hello, hello out there, everybody in podcast land. I am here with one of the greatest comedians in Birmingham. None other than Peter Davenport. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled podcasts. How you doing, buddy? What's popping? What's popping? What's up, man? Not good, good much. To see you. Good to see you. Good to be here. Good to be here. So, um, man, I was trying to think the other day. I've been seeing you do stand up for pretty much about as long as I've been doing stand up. I mm-hmm. remember the first show I did in Tuscaloosa was back in the fall of 2014. Okay, and cool. And I came up here and did Syndicate, and I think you were yes. the first time that I did the open mic at Syndicate Lounge. For those of you that don't know, Syndicate Lounge is one of the many shithole venues here in Birmingham. I can say rest rest in peace. Rest in peace. I say shithole venue with as much love as possible. With love for for sure. With love for everything but that staircase that I drag myself up. You know what? That reminds me. I think it may have been the first night that I saw you there. Yeah. Um you said something so funny to me. I mean, I remember you being on stage and you said, uh you said I'm in my acoustic chair tonight. Oh and yeah. I think I think that was that was probably when I was like, okay, okay, who is this? Who is yeah. this kid? He's yeah, funny as shit. I haven't gotten a chance. I'm. It kind of pisses me off because I haven't gotten a chance to do that joke in forever because that chair is too small for me. Oh really? So I can't use it anymore. That's my earliest uh, memory of you, of seeing you on stage, I think. 
Uh, yeah, my earliest memory of you is just the same as it is of everybody is just trying to find the light on stage at Syndicate. Because mm-hmm. there, oh, yeah. there was that one little laser beam of light we all had yes. to get into. But when did you start? When did you, when was your, what was your start in comedy? When did you? Um, I guess I maybe started a year before that or so. Um, I first started at uh, Stillwater oh, Open man. Mic, which has been torn down and turned into condos now. Empty condos that nobody can mm-hmm. afford. Yeah, um, much but like that was, much of Birmingham. Yeah, but that was uh, that was run by Mike McCall. Yeah, and uh, and it was it was interesting because it was like that was the Monday night spot, and it started at nine, and for some reason, like right at eleven, a crowd of people would swarm in ready to do trivia, like they had trivia night ready to go. And right after we were done, loaded. They're like, and they hated us. Yeah, they like, hated. Get these guys the fuck out of here! <laughs> get these disgusting perverts out of here! Oh, it it sucked to be to be like brand new at comedy and be on stage as people. As, there's been nobody there the whole night, but now yeah. all of a sudden there's people here and they're like, and they me all hate you. you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's. I remember a similar feeling going to do the open mic at Crestwood. Yes, and I yes. remember it went it went through a revolving uh, it went through a revolving door of hosts, and yes. like like solo people, groups of people, and mm-hmm. none of them did a bad job in and of themselves, but like. I don't know why, but a mic just would not work. It was like you had that weird half yep. of the bar where we were trying mm-hmm. to do comedy, and then the other half was like people very loudly trying to watch sports. It yeah, was it was. It was always the under uh, over. It was time. the Thursday night football game. The Thursday yeah. night NFL game was on at the same time every every week, yeah. and it was just a people literally around a corner yeah trying a, very, to a, a very thin corner yeah oh man do you remember those were first... good though yeah <laughs> it was good it was good for us that they yeah. were harder it is no, you it's... know you you know it was a good joke if you could get them to shut up for a second and like lean around the corner yeah no like, it's, yeah for sure <laughs> like heard... what did he what, what did that guy say? say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like I heard some rapper talking about this. He was like, I remember doing shows where we would go into like a little house and it would be like eight fans deep. And he's mm-hmm. like, that, that, he was like, that kind of thing builds character. Cause like eight people in a room are so much less willing to get lit the fuck up than yes. like 800 people in a room so yes there's something to a, that yeah if you can go into a room and get eight people lit then like you know you got something well it's just it's like a it's kind of like a buffet like nobody wants to be the first one to walk up to the buffet and yeah. start eating <laughs> yeah exactly. nobody wants to be the only one laughing yeah exactly no? um yeah, do you remember your first time on stage at all, or is it just kind of a blur? Um, I do remember it because, um, like, my first time went a lot better than I ex- expected. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like I, had, I had, you know, been psyching myself up for a couple of months to do it, and, and I went and... I, I guess that's what I would say to anybody who's like thinking about stand up, go watch the open mic because you will not be the worst person. Yeah. Like go 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 watch. So I went and watched a couple of times and I was like, all right, all right, I think I can do this, but it's it's probably gonna suck. Um mm-hmm. but my first time like actually like 
went better than I expected. I mean, and the next 300 times I ate shit, but like yeah, that first time, exactly. Exactly. first time was good. And, and yeah. I don't know if it hadn't been good. I don't know if I would have done it a second yeah. time. So that's, I'll never forget my first show. Cause, um, uh, I was, it was a show in Tuscaloosa and, uh-huh. um, it was something that vaguely Richard Lockhart was involved in putting together. Um, Sounds like Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as with everything in Tuscaloosa, but it was at a, yeah. my friend Gant's house. And he, oh yeah. Yeah. And he was, host, I know him. yeah. And he was hosting the show and he knew I had been wanting to do comedy. So he was like, do you want to do five minutes on the top of the show? And I was cool. like, sure. And he was like, okay, I'll ask Richard. And Richard, of course, was like, sure, I don't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> so I showed up. I showed up, and the show is in his backyard, right? Which is mm-hmm. just like, it's not, it's not a hobble by any means, but it's like a Tuscaloosa college house backyard. Right. Not anything special. And they've got a uh, they've got a broken Swiffer stand, a broken Swiffer as a microphone. Wow! So I was like, this is gonna be interesting. And Richard Lockhart was there, and he um, nobody listening to this podcast probably knows Richard, but he's one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. But he has yeah. He has a very um, distinct look about him. Uh-huh. I remember the first time I met him, he had very shaggy, unkempt hair and a beard, and he was wearing all black and a black trench coat. Yes. And yes. I remember I was like, that guy's got to go shoot up the high school <laughs> in the morning. Yeah. Like, <laughs> holy shit. But then it was headline. I remember, and the other thing I remember, it, it was headlined by this dude from Colorado, uh, mm-hmm. Sam Talent. You know, Sam, oh yeah, who yeah. was just uproariously funny, just killed. And so I did my five minutes at the top. It was, you know, it went like like yours. I think better than I expected, but I wasn't mm-hmm. like on cloud nine or anything. And we were kind of sitting around in the break in a break after the show, and he came up to me and he was like, "Hey, you were funny," and I was like, "I was," and I think that was Man. the moment for me where it was like, "There might be something here," you know. Yeah, man, those those early uh, compliments you get from people that you that you like watching that's those are those are gold. Yeah, for sure. Those take you a long way. They never leave you. Yeah. Um, And uh, how'd you get into the uh, hosting gig? How did that come about? Um, The hosting that I've done, uh, most of it, um, just do it, um, just being asked by somebody else, really. Like, it was never really something that I sought out. Yeah, I probably should probably should have because hosting is like the hardest thing and it makes you better. But, you know, hosting open mics and stuff was just Chris Ivy had set up some open mics and he wanted somebody to host with him. So I did a lot of that. Yeah. And then uh, Tolly one time invited years ago, invited me to host theme show with him. Yeah. Which was a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh and it's hard, but it's but it's it's a different thing, but it's a lot of fun. How do you think it how do you think it affected your process as opposed to just getting up and doing time? Um hosting like it's a lot I don't know, like whenever I'm just doing a set, um like if I'm if I'm on a show doing ten minutes, fifteen minutes, I'm really focused on the material and I'm thinking about it a couple days in advance and I'm, you know, trying to try to buy at least the night before I like to have a set list together yeah. of like what jokes I'm going to try. 
but with hosting it's like you can't really just go through the material it's more about like setting the stage for everybody else and like and like you know getting everyone involved getting the audience on board yeah and like shutting shit down if they get out of hand (laughs) like that kind of thing and just the overall show like keeping the show moving yeah um it's tempting to do especially at an open mic and it's okay at an open mic but like to do like jokes in between everybody yeah um but that can really like weigh the show down yeah i've noticed how i've noticed just in the few years i've been doing it how much Uh air that can put into a show yeah and and sometimes you have to yeah like if somebody eats shit like you kind of want to like get one laugh yeah (laughs) right yeah. So my thing was always like, what's one funny thing I can say about the person who just went up? Yeah. And we're yeah. going to get one thing real quick and then here's your next performer. Exactly. Um, so speaking of, speaking of, of process, not to be too like analytical about the whole thing, uh-huh. but like what would you say your process is? Like, do you write a lot or do you tend to just sort of, think things out and then try them on stage um well it's kind of changed um unfortunately due to uh you may have heard there's a virus in the world oh what um (laughs) what if this was the first time you're (laughs) no way no way i had no idea i've been literally hermetically sealed in this room for (laughs) years no it uh so what I've always kind of done is, I, I don't know, I, I tend to, I can't like just sit down and write. I tend yeah. to write out loud. So like late at night in the kitchen after my family's gone to bed, I'm talking through stuff like a crazy person yeah, by myself. Exactly. Or another good one, driving around. I used to just <laughs> drive around. I used to, at my old job, I used to just take my lunch break and drive around for an yeah. hour yeah, and talk to myself like an idiot, but yeah. like occasionally <laughs> like get yeah. something from that. Yeah, it's what, whatever works, man. Right. So yeah. then like I, you know, jot down a couple of notes and then try try it at the next open mic. Yeah. Um, and then, you, then it's like 50-50 or, yeah. or maybe, yeah. maybe 30-70, is it going to is it gonna work or is it not? Yeah. Um, and then if it works, keep it, tweak it. If it, I don't know. If it doesn't work, I'll probably like wait a while and then try it again. Yeah. See if you, you know a new angle on it. Yeah. New angle, like you're not gonna come up with something that's like just com- completely not funny at all. Like there's something there. Yeah. Right, you just haven't found it yet. Yeah, you just gotta keep and some of these. Sometimes it takes a, a long time to yeah to figure out. Yes, it's so. sometimes it takes a long time for a joke to percolate. It's what's your What's your process like? My process, I just recently developed one. Uh, my <laughs> process up until recently was to uh, think of something funny and go, "Motherfucker, I hope I remember that." Um, right, right. But uh and it didn't work out a lot of the time. But um mm-hmm. you know, I can't having been having been trained as a, a theater person, I can't mm-hmm. write too many words down or I'll right. start reading it like a monologue and then it's fucked. It's all and it's weird. not it's all it's weird. not like it's conversational to death. So what I try to do is think of the joke and then write down like a word or a phrase that recalls the joke and the kernel of the joke, but like leaves Uh all the space around that open, Mm -hmm. Um, which works on a basic level. But the problem with that is, is like I go back through my notebooks and I see set lists from like two months ago and I'm like mm-hmm. 
That's a funny phrase. I wish I could remember what that joke was. You know, yeah. like that's those three words sound really funny. Like I wish I could remember what that joke was. So what I've started doing since the 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 panda is mm. I've started just recording everything. Obsessed. Like every Good. time I do a show, I just record it. And so, like, if I don't remember what a phrase means, I can just go back through all these recordings I have and find it. Yeah, that's good. I I, I do that as well. I, I try to record every set. Um, so, man, some some of the bad ones though, it sucks to it sucks yeah, to go back oof, and listen to them. <laughs> yeah, nothing nothing more painful. Yeah, but you know, it is it is good because you can see okay. Uh, you know stuff you would never notice in the moment like yeah like I, I did a set the other day and I got off stage and I was like all right I think I think that went pretty well like I was getting some laughs and then I listened to it on the way home and I was like oh my god I was talking so fast like yeah. no way like I was just flying yeah exactly like, what am I doing yeah so then you know uh, the next time I'm writing out a set list, I wrote at the top of it, slow the fuck down. Yeah. So I would like, so I would see that right before I got on stage. Yeah. It's so. great. It's great to, that's the great thing about game footage is the, or game recordings is yeah. that you can, you can fine tune yourself like that. I remember mm -hmm. watching one from a couple of weeks ago and going, you know, don't lean your head away from the mic so much. It's fucking with your yeah. audio. And I never would have noticed that if I hadn't gone back and watched. Somebody, somebody gave me that same advice. Tim Wangle early on. Oh, uh, I remember him. Yeah. He, he came to a couple of my first, like, things that I did. Yeah. He helped me out so much just in the first couple months. He 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 took me aside. He was like, you're not talking into the microphone. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, uh Oh, okay. Yeah. He was like, I think you're saying something funny, but no one can hear it. <laughs> and I was like, that is good advice. All right. Yeah. That's like, that's just such very fundamental advice that you would think more people would mm. have heard. Mm -hmm. before they would come to do stand-up. But I'm amazed at how many people I see at an open mic and even sometimes at book shows. Like yeah. I'll see somebody who's booked to do a spot and I'll be like, I can't understand you. Right, like I want to hear. Yeah, yeah. Like I want the opportunity to laugh at what you're saying. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, so like for you, how did, what was like, did you have a lot of initial awkwardness at like just being on stage in front of people or did you have experience with that in another context? Or? Um, I used to play in bands a lot. Okay. So I was, I don't know, I guess I was sort of used to being on stage, but it was completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Without. Uh, having a guitar to hide behind. Yeah, I was very awkward, um, very shy, very um, like when I when I started, I was already the old guy in the scene. So I was like <laughs> the old, I was the old man and the new guy at the yeah. same time. And yeah. So I didn't I didn't really fit in with anybody. Yeah. Um, I I felt like uh, for me a lot of the time. I was really lucky having a background in theater because oh, like, sure. it definitely took definitely took a lot of getting used to, but there wasn't much mm -hmm. at being on stage, you know, like kind of sit, like you said, without the guitar to hide behind. You don't have right. a script or a character necessarily to wrap yourself in. I mean, some people do with their stand up, but that's not really what I do particularly and so it was kind yeah. of it was a it was a lot more exposed 
but I definitely felt mm-hmm. like when I would see other people that were new to the scene, I would definitely feel like, ooh, I've got a leg up on this these guys. You definitely seemed, I remember early on, you definitely seemed like more comfortable than the average like brand new person, you know? Yeah. So uh, that must have been what it was. Yeah, I, I, I that's definitely... People all people always that's a thing that I've been approached a lot about in stand up is is my confidence. And mm-hmm. I often to and it's not it's not self effacing to say this, but I often people I often tell people it's not confidence. I just went to school for this for four years. Right on. Like I right on. like I just this is just what I did every day for four years. If, like yeah for a grade and so like it's just like it's just something i'm that's a much more regular part of my life than it is for most people because the yeah. idea for most people the idea of like i'm in a room i'm in the same room as a bunch of different people but i'm uh-huh. different and they're all looking at me and I have right. a microphone and there's lights for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. That's really odd, but I kind of already had that experience. Yeah. So it was just kind of like putting it in a new context. Um, it's definitely an absurd thing to do. To yeah, it really there. is. <laughs> it really is. Just like I heard somebody describe stand up once as just like, whittling your own thoughts into something to make somebody else laugh oh i like that yeah i like that a lot Uh, i was like yeah that's exactly what it is um it's just it's so did you do any of those like covid like car shows or any shit like that no no (laughs) no i didn't do any of that um I just, I, I basically took nine months off uh, yeah. and then slowly started doing like a couple of outdoor things. Yeah. Like we were lucky enough to have um, like good people, that yeah. outdoor show, yeah. which like when stuff started coming, that was one of the first things to come back because it was yeah. outdoors. It, it felt reasonable to do yeah. that after a while. Yeah. Um, we got, you know, Tin Roof has an outdoor space as well. We've done shows out there. Um, yeah. Outdoors different. It is. Um, it's it's big, not the it's same. Big. It's yeah. big. So, um, you know, I I found myself a month ago, um, a month month and a half ago, in a comedy club again for the first time, up in Huntsville. And it was like, oh, this is great. This, this is a lot of people packed in a room. Part of me was still like, I mean, I know I'm vaccinated, but should we be doing this? Pfizer, but, don't fail me now. You know? <laughs> exactly. But it was like, oh, this is what it's yeah, supposed to be like. Yeah, this is what it is. It's such a great club up there, too. Yeah, they got a lot of cool clubs. Where, where were you working at? Um, I did um, shenanigans. Me yeah. and Chris went up there and did shenanigans, yeah. and then we yeah. went over to, uh, I think it's called Stand Up Live in yeah. Huntsville. I'm doing a show for shenanigans uh, in October. I've done, great. Yeah, I've done a couple shows for them. What a great venue. I love that yeah. place, man. I love uh, the people that run it are great. Yeah, yeah. Just, like, everything about it is so nice. I was like, this is, I went in there the first time. I was like, this is way too nice for whatever I'm doing. Yeah, but it's it's really nice. I, I, I was, when they first told me about their shows, they were like, it's a little different because they do like a host, of course, and then a couple of comics, and then they have an intermission. Yeah. And then they do the re- other back half of the show. I was like, well, how's that going to work? Are people just going to leave? But no, they just went and like, got a drink and came and sat back down and it works because people aren't walking around during your set yeah. like they're they're just wait they'll wait till intermission yeah 
Not like it's good cool. enough to get another beer in between every comic or something. Yeah. If you're yeah. lucky in between the comics. Like, right. So that's a, another thing I wanted to circle back around to is talk to me a little bit more about the uh, the theme show experience and sort of how that kind of gestated because it's such a unique experience and i really enjoy theme show is great i wish i could take credit for the idea but it's it was tolly and uh, a guy named bo who who lived here and and he moved bo moved off and um i wish i could remember his last name but they ran it for Bice. maybe a year bo bice bo bice yes <laughs> that, was, uh, that was it i wish it were uh, no <laughs> bo guthrie Bo yeah. Guthrie, that's who it was. He's a real, real funny. Name before. Yeah. He was hilarious. He's one of the people who, when I first started, he was like, I, like you'd see him at open mics. You'd see, I'd see like him and Tolly and like Wes Van Horn and people and be like, oh shit, I'm never gonna be. Yeah, as the, funny as that. Yeah, those were the guys. Like, goddamn, like yeah. they just, just kill. Um. But so he moved, and I, I, it was he and Tolly's idea, and Tolly just let me take over his spot. Um, it's it's really fun. It's hope, hopefully coming back soon. But yeah. the idea was to do a different theme every month. Yeah. And what we found is, if we give people the theme in advance. And it, we found it works so much better when people like prepare something specifically for the show yeah. as opposed to like the theme is back to school. So if you write something for that, it's probably going to work. But if you just like kind of try to shoehorn in something you already had, yeah, for some reason, the audience can tell. I yeah. don't know how they, yeah, how they know. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> that was my first rule uh, without anyone even telling me. When Tom yeah. asked me to do the show the first time, that was mm-hmm. my first rule was like, I got to write jokes for this show. Yes. And it's such a fun show. It's in the side room at Rojo, which, which is great. It's a weird great, show. Great it's a, color it's scheme in that room too. Beautiful. I love yeah. that place. Great food. Yeah. Um, but the it's it's a it's a more difficult audience than you would think because there's always <laughs> at least there's always at least it's mostly it's mostly going to be comics and our friends in there. But there's always at least one table of like a family with children who did not know there was going to be a show. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and every time they will politely sit through like the first two comics and then get up. Yeah, absolutely. It's so funny to me. It's it, it it's like a charm, dude. Every time, I can, you can pick them out when you walk in. Yeah, so. yeah, for okay. sure. That's one of the fun things before the show is we'll all sit together and be like, "All right, yeah. who's who's here for the show and who's gonna leave as soon as." Scott Gordon goes up and does a puppet thing. Oh, I miss his puppets. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, bring back the puppets, Scott. Bring back. Uh, I'll get him. I'll get him back. Yeah. Um, Let's do it. But we also, we did a lot of um, audience participation was big on that show, which is yeah. where we would have like a question or something that people would write down. Um, during the show and then yeah. pass them in and we would read them at the end um, I don't know if you did were you ever on one of the art ones yeah okay yeah those were always my favorite where we would Tolly would print out blank coloring pages <laughs> and have people yeah, yeah. and have people yeah. do their own art so really like when you're when you're doing your set people are listening but they're like coloring making on their pages yeah. Yeah. So it's like we're all making art together. Yeah. Yeah. And then we kind of review them at yeah. the end. Great. That show, that show is always makes something so fun and so interesting happen. Thank you, man. It's, 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 it's fun to do. We're, we're trying to bring it back soon. Yeah. It's never, uh, it's never dull for sure, which is yeah. more than I can say for, for most of these open mics. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> Do you remember what the theme was the first time you hosted theme show? Um, something about something about like uh, I think we did an award ceremony. Yeah. Like uh, like the beginning of the year we do like the themies. We do a theme yeah. show award. Yeah, that was. The, I think um, it's that probably was the one last of those. One I did. We've done a couple like that. We've done, there's some that we do every year. Like uh, we do a Halloween one every year. Um, we've got to do art once I'm a year. I'm actually sitting directly across from my theme at this oh, great. moment. That's awesome. Uh, staring me in the face as I record this interview. We always did, one of my favorites was Most Dangerous Game. Yeah, that's um, a fun one. Which was a just an improv thing where you have to make up a set based on a prompt. Yeah. That was always good. That one, that one was hard. I remember I've only done that. It's very one. hard. I've only done that one once and it was like, whoa, you're sweating after you get off stage, you know? Yeah. But I mean, if we, you get like, you end up getting like 10 prompts and if you get like three, three yeah. little jokes in there, yeah, you're, you're like, I won. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like real exercise for your brain. It's, it's good yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, it's just like um, I, the one venue in town I haven't done yet is Star Down. I, oh, been, yeah. I've always been curious because I know they're like the official comedy club if you Google like comedy club in Birmingham. I'd I did it recently, and it's. I've had some really good shows there, and I've eaten some shit there. I've, I've bombed pretty hard there before, but the last one I did was good. But it's an interesting room because, like, I'm more used to doing like bar shows. Yeah. Um, and you probably are too. Where there's, you know, there's going to be some chatter. There's going to be some background noise, but you know, you can you can block it out or yeah. you can or you can yeah. engage with it right yeah at the stardome the way the room is set up you when you're on that stage you can hear everything they're saying in the audience very clearly oh, like Jesus. you can you can hear the guy three rows back cough a little bit like that's weird but so it's 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 distracting like how easily you can hear them but the flip side of that is when you get a laugh you hear that even bigger. Yeah. It's like this wave, this wave that wave hits you. Laughter. That's so it's really interesting. It's awesome. yeah, yeah, I've been interested to. I'll have to go down there and give their open mic a shot one of these days. And it it's fun. It's like, I mean, it's it's fun being in a professional setting. Yeah. You're like, oh god, this is how the big boys do yeah, that. This wow, is, right? this is how it happens for real. You know, when there's like a green room and they're, you know the DJ before the show is like, what song do you want to come out to? And I'm like, really? Yeah. Awesome. All right. I remember the first time I it's ever, fun. I remember the first time I ever, the only time I've ever been asked that was when mm. I went up and did shenanigans. I did their, pride, yeah. I did their pride show, which is cool. What I'm going to be doing again. And they were like, uh -huh. what do you want your walkout music to be? And I was like, walkout music. Who am I? <laughs> Kevin Hart? What's his what's Yeah, man, yeah. What'd you pick? You make me feel mighty real by Sylvester. Of nice. Yeah. I did uh I think at the stardome I had uh DMX party up. Oh Come rest on. in peace. Yeah. He had rest just died peace, like right X. before then, so yeah. Little tribute. Um, Oh man, that's a good one though. That's that's what you that's what you gotta do. You gotta do something that'll get people hyped. Yeah, do something. That'll, yeah. I I thought of doing something like going full Andy Kaufman with it and doing something that would just fuck people up, like proud yeah. to be American or some <laughs> shit like that. Yeah. First verse of "I Will Always Love You." Just we did a really. We did like a really fun show, shenanigans before the pandemic. It was like half drag show, half uh, oh, comedy I bet show. That was so fun. 
but the, yeah, the, but the premise was like your first set, you get to do two sets. Your first set is, is like your oldest, shittiest material. And then your second set is like your new stuff that you like your big closer that, that you've got now. Okay. So you got to see everybody's like early stuff. And the drag performers did like one of their first songs that they ever did drag to and then something new. So you kind of got to see everybody's like growth. Such it, a, it was what cool. an interesting premise for a show. That's fascinating. Yeah. They did another one with a, it was half improv where you do a, you do your comedy set, you do your stand up set and then the improv team like does improv based on what, what you just did. So that was wow, cool. that's crazy. Yeah, they they stay coming up with interesting concepts up there. Mm -hmm. um, to the three people that are listening to this, if you're in the Huntsville area, check out Shenanigans. What's, what's the date? Throw out the date. When are you going to be there? Uh, when am I going to be there? October 1st. Yeah. I already told them about that in the intro, though. Cool, cool. I will. I haven't recorded the intro yet. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a great, great venue. You remember that? Did you ever do the open mic at that place next to the Waffle House that's not there anymore? Which one? The grown up open mic that used to be at the uh, Barristers. Oh, no, I never did that one. Oh, it was horrifying. They, they it's, it still goes on. Junior, do you know Junior Cook? Yeah, yeah, I know him. He, he took it out to a place in Alabaster, and he runs it. Oh, so it's, okay. It's, it's it's still going, but it's a different thing. But they used probably to a better it. place. Yeah, it's 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 <laughs> definitely a better place. It's like you can rent it for like performances and dance things and stuff. But it, oh, okay, it's usually like a yoga, like what, like it's a nice venue, and yeah. Uh, so, but this was like at that little bar that was like in between that Waffle House and that hotel. Yeah. In the yeah. hotel that burned down, yeah, yeah, yeah. And rebuilt, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it was like you'd walk in there, and like Friends in Low Places by Garth Brooks would just be blaring, and it yes. seemed to be like it seemed to be like, and it's not this anymore. I'm sure, like I said, it's being run by different people, but it seemed uh. to be like where the like MAGA crowd would go. Yes, for sure, for to, sure. To do yeah. the, that was like their open mic. Well, it's like their karaoke night, right? It's yeah. like, you guys are here to interrupt karaoke night. Yeah. We're, so like, we're here to sing Alan Jackson and yeah. you're trying to tell your jokes. <laughs> do comedy, yeah. yeah. And like, yeah, so the couple of times I went there, I was like, these people are not like me. It's like, this is a different experience. Can you think of your, the, the, the show, did you, have you ever had any show experiences where you just felt like, fuck, this is not like. Oh, so many. I get so, like, How I, much time, time do you have? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, especially early on, like when you're just in the first couple of years, like, I mean, and I'm still kind of this way where it's just like, what's the show? What am I free that day? I'll do it. Where is it? What? Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, so there was one that I drove out to this, this place. It's like another red flag, which I shouldn't, this is my fault. They're, they're like, can you do, <laughs> 30 minutes and I was like I've got I've got 15 I can probably stretch that <laughs> so so I'm like sure yeah I'll figure it out I, I can write another 15 by Friday night <laughs> sure yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's it was a some redneck like extreme redneck bar um, it was like originally a barn that had been converted to like oh, a wow. cockfight 
like <laughs> area. <laughs> and it was like out out I twenty past Leeds, but like not quite to Aniston. Like, oh, so like middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it was like you know, the host brings me up and, and it's just these just real redneck crowd and they were they were not not into my liberal yeah, bullshit. Not into Which, your Birmingham. I wasn't even I wasn't even doing like I wasn't even doing anything real political, but it's like I think I early on like I had one joke trying to like make fun of people who were homophobic. It wasn't even yeah. like a good joke, but they were yeah. like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. Like, I was like, "Ah, oh, man. ah." Yeah. I think I got. I think I did twenty minutes out of my thirty, and yeah. I was like, ah, like, "I gotta go. Get out of here before they start yeah. throwing bottles." Oh man. oh man there's nothing worse than just being like out of place at, at a show. yeah like i remember I did. I, I, sorry go ahead no you you go ahead i remember ahead. like it was never not a show that i did but i remember i went to this uh this um uh benefit concert for the equal justice institute up in montgomery mm -hmm. And it was like this amazing lineup, obviously, of like historically mostly black performers. So it was like Common mm -hmm. was there and Kirk wow. Franklin and like the ASU choir and like a couple gospel singers and Brittany Howard from the Alabama Shake. Mm -hmm. The Roots were the house band and Usher was the headliner, and then the surprise wow. headliner was Stevie Wonder. So, like, Jesus, it was, yeah, it was this insane. <laughs> it was this insane event, but like in the middle of all this, like, very like, because it's very oriented, obviously, to what the the museum is and like what's going mm. on and the memorial and everything. And in the middle of all this, like. Dave Matthews walks out <laughs> and does like a 20 minute like acoustic set and like I've never been a huge fan of his music but he's always seemed right. like a nice guy but you, yeah. could, you could tell even he knew that he was out <laughs> of place I this is kind of a tangent but you reminded me of the I uh, I work for a catering company sometimes, and and we do big events and stuff. And and we were doing this this event, this big charity event. Yeah. For like, for like something to do with with autism, like some like like a huge event. And there's a couple of like, I I guess you'd call them celebrities, but like like a couple of the guys from Hamilton were there, but like before everyone had seen Hamilton. Yeah. So like, like in the off Broadway days. Right, right. So people like that, like some of the Atlanta Hawks were supposed to come over, but then it ended up being just like a couple of the executives and like uh, that kind of thing. Um but all night we're, you know, it's rich people dress super nice and get very very drunk for charity and there's like yeah. speeches and presentations and stuff and the band live was playing that night at oak mountain so the singer guy like got in a got in a van and came over to this to this venue to like play an acoustic performance for, oh the, for the fundraiser God. and he's going through the hits you know and it, it, you know he's 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 a professional yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Like, he's just he's just going through it he's like this is for charity all right i'm just gonna sit here i'm gonna play the five songs that you know on acoustic guitar yeah and people are so drunk it's like the end of the night and he gets into, he's going to close with lightning crashes yeah. and he's playing lightning crashes alone on this stage with the spotlight. And this, this woman in the crowd just throws up. 
<laughs> and everybody freaks out. <laughs> and then people are trying to clean it up and everything. And he just, he just like, you could tell that he saw it. <laughs> and he knew what was going on, but he was such a pro. He never stopped. He, he just, just kept, kept on trucking. Lightning crashes. That's he went all the way through it. And then he was like, <laughs> and he was like, all right. Good night. Supporting a good cause. See you guys. Yeah, good night. Oh, man. That's, that is crazy. Speaking, that's so odd. And I, I may have told you this. You may or may not remember. Um, but, uh. I speaking of being at the feeling like people were in the wrong place. I was at mm -hmm. that show at Oak Mountain. Mm -hmm. um, oh, were you? Um, yeah. Not not to see live, um, mm -hmm. shockingly, but they were um, they were co-headlining with Counting Crows. Right on. That's what and, it was. Yeah. And I love, I love counting. They've always been one of my favorite yeah. bands. So I went, I went to go see them and I, it just mm. drove home my opinion that I've always had that they're so misunderstood as a band because they get shoved in with bands like Matchbox 20 and like right. Live because they came out at the same time. But exactly. They're, yeah. But they're not the same at all. That yeah, early so to like, mid nineties. Yeah. Yeah. So like they did yeah. a, they did a set and then the crows came out and did a set and it was just like a totally different vibe. Yeah, I I feel similarly about uh I I get pissed off about uh blind melon. Yeah. <laughs> people like Absolutely. people only know that that one blind melon song is their worst song. Yeah. <laughs> they have twenty no better songs, songs, I swear. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. They have God. so many better songs. I remember the thing that sticks out in my mind from the live show was I remember the singer very very deliberately opening his button up shirt. Like oh. which, <laughs> which, yeah. which took some of the rock star mystique away. When you don't <laughs> when I see you do it and you don't just let it happen, it's like Yeah. It's like yeah. and he like <laughs> unbuttoned it too. It wasn't just like bam and it was open. He was, he was like, like better give them their money's worth. Yeah. Like, wow. I wanted him to start playing Hey Big Spender or something. Uh, but the most memorable part of their set was during, he was starting to play some ballad and he goes, all right, this here is a love song. So if you got somebody here with you, you love, grab mm -hmm. them and hold them close. And if you don't, maybe just grab the person next to you. And I was don't, like, do, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> and I was like a little high. Probably yeah. already cracked up in a drink, like was sitting there, whatever. But even I immediately was like, "What the fuck did he just <laughs> like?" And like there was there was a not small white trash quotient in that audience, and that's not a oh good always thing. it's Oak Mountain. Yeah, that's yeah. not a good thing to tell those people. <laughs> God, that's funny. Um, and he still had the flavor saver. Oh, good. Good. Well, can you, you got to save that flavor, man. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I did. Uh, I did one event catering also. I think it was the same event like the next year, but they had uh, St. Paul and the Broken Bones yeah, play yeah, it. Yeah. And uh, late at night, my job as as people are obliterated they they finally figured out like if you give everybody like a snack late at night like some more food it helps yeah. soak up the alcohol yeah so they had they made all these they grilled all these cheeseburgers so i'm walking around with this giant <laughs> tray of cheeseburgers like weaving through the crowd as they're watching st paul and the broken bones and the lead singer guy spots me and and points at me and and goes like come come over here so i go over to the stage and then he's like 
raise it up, raise it up. And I, and I lift up the tray of cheeseburgers to him and he mm. pulls one off the top and starts eating it like while he's singing, <laughs> like, take, like, like taking bites during the guitar solo and stuff. He never missed a note. It was awesome. Killed that him. is, that is some <laughs> next level shit, dude. It was, everybody in the crowd was like, that's fucking awesome. Oh God. It was great. Yeah. It was I'm really hung- great. I'm hungry. So I'm going to eat a cheeseburger. Yeah. They're crazy, dude. I went to see them at the Alabama theater and they were like, mm-hmm. we don't usually do this much anymore, but we're going to do a couple of covers tonight just because we're excited to be here. And they played uh, Moon Age Daydream by David Bowie. Cool. And fake, awesome. fake Plastic Trees by Radiohead. Yeah. And I was like, the, but like St. Paulified with like the with horns. With the horns. And then the like. And I was like, this is the weirdest but coolest thing. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah you know, the, old, the older I get, the more I just like horns, more horns. Yeah, horns <laughs> are the slickest shit, dude. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm 40 yeah. now. Let's do some horns. Come on. Yes. Give me that sweet Chicago. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. I um, My St. Paul and the Broken Bones story was that I – um, you know, Paul of St. Paul and the Broken Bones used to live in Liberty Park when he lived mm-hmm. in town. And I was going to a friend's house, and this was after their first record, and I had already heard their record. I was going to a friend's house, and I'd never been there before. So I pulled up to this house, and I knock on the door, and Paul answered the door. Mm. And I was like, uh, uh. I'm looking for so-and-so, so-and-so. And And he was like, oh, that's that house over there. (laughs) So I just like went across the street to the other house. But I was, I had to refrain from being like, you're the guy from the thing. (laughs) He's like, I know. Yeah. I get that. I I am always the guy from the thing. (laughs) So one final thing I wanted to talk to you about, I don't want to keep you too late. And if this is too esoteric, let me know. But Uh one thing I've noticed about your comedy that sticks out to me in a really refreshing way is that it tends to avoid a lot of, a lot of the tropes and pitfalls of like the, I'm a white guy with a microphone Right. Here's okay. What I have to say about the way a white guy sees the world, which is a right. huge commonality I'm starting to notice in uh-huh. a lot of, especially male comedians. It's just like I am a able bodied cisgender white man, and this is how I think about the world. And it's not, right. and it's not like to me that you try to operate outside of that or be something other than that, but uh-huh. you just have such an interesting perspective, and you do these weird, zany things with your punchlines that I think most people don't think to do. That kind of takes it out of that normal realm and into that into that kind of absurd thing. Jesus, man, this is too much. This is too nice. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Is that like something (laughs) you're conscious of when you're, when you're working or like, cause I know early on for me, it was, Uh there was a lot of like, I gotta, I don't want to say this cause it's too like, Mm -hmm. that's been said before or like. Well, probably similarly to you. um, My biggest, like, fear with comedy is to is to like write a joke that's already somebody else's like like I would never steal a joke I would never do that but to to accidentally write a joke that somebody else is already doing is like my worst nightmare so I I'm really just trying to be different um I my perspective like on paper is not that interesting. Here's another uh, 40 year old white guy who's married with two kids. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. I, but, 
so I'm just trying to find interesting things about that. Um, I do kind of actively avoid, I, I, I kind of make a note when I, when I've, okay, I've heard, I've heard three dudes at this mic already talk with a joke about porn. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to be number four talking about porn. Okay. That being said, if I happen to write a joke that I really like about porn, like, I got to find a different way to get into it. Yeah. I got to find a different angle on it. Like, absolutely. Just, yeah, you know, another, the other bit you, so you mentioned porn. The other big one to me is spouses. The way, yeah. the way yeah. a lot of dudes talk about their spouses is like, and I'm not saying like, you got to always say nice stuff and that's stupid. Right. Like it's comedy. But like the way a lot of people talk about their spouses is just so uh. like, God, my wife, am I right? And it's just like Yeah, that's come on. that's a that's a real problem. My wife is like super nice and supportive. Like, yeah. Like yeah. Uh, if you would be a little bit more of a bitch, maybe we could <laughs> yeah. something funny here. Yeah. No, like it's the same thing, like people talk about their families and stuff. It's like actually my family's always been really cool. Like, yeah. I, I yeah. Yeah. like I don't have any complaints about them. Um I mean, I, I'm around plenty of other irritating people yeah. uh, on a daily basis, but like my family's actually pretty cool. Um, yeah. I, I do get a lot from my, my kids just, just, and it, maybe it's a, a cop out sometimes, but kids do just say like random weird shit all yeah. the time. Well, cause um, their, their filters are still being built. So they will say yeah. shit that we would never, that would never make it past here yeah for us exactly so uh, i guess a lot of my especially my early stuff was was probably centered around that like just the weirdness of uh you know now i gotta have sex real quietly uh, yeah to stuff like that <laughs> yeah like, yeah just the little you know one time you know those baby gates like where you put at the top of the stairs <laughs> yeah like one time like i i like pitched a testicle like trying to step over that oh and man it's like and it's like them i talk about that for a year yeah like that that, that was the kind right of stuff there. I did. yeah because i was too lazy to just open it up and i'm not quite tall enough to get all the way <laughs> over it so it was you know just yeah there it is right that kind there. of stuff just looking for it. It really just, I, I do think you probably do this too. We we're overthinking it, always overthinking it. Oh yeah. But always. you know, I I don't want to be, I don't, I don't really want to write stuff about sex, but then it's like, it's like nobody wants to picture me having sex. Yeah. <laughs> so like, like I don't want to be that guy talking about sex, but if I think of something different about it like or a different way yeah like you're not gonna it, avoid and i can it. still do it that's the thing to yeah. me about like a lot of comics who do clean and like they only do clean mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. it just feels like they're avoiding something a lot of the time a lot of the times it does sometimes it's impressive if they can get really like funny yeah. stuff that's clean but yeah. you're right some of it it's like my life's not clean yeah like yeah, you no know, one's life is clean yeah like i gotta talk about some of this stuff yeah like nate borgazzi is one of those guys who is just yeah butter and he's pretty much clean you know he says yeah damn or hell okay it's, it's impressive yeah. i do think there's something to taking out like you can take out the cuss words on a lot of stuff yeah, yeah. you can say stuff you can say stuff slightly different. You can still talk about like disgusting things, but you can you can change the the actual wording of it yeah. to make it work and make and it, it. And that's a lot more interesting because a lot of like you know, I have a tendency to just say you know, and the the fucking with the fucking the and it's just kind of like a space filler. Yeah, it's just yeah. kind of like a exactly. crutch. Yeah. Yeah, I shouldn't have to do yeah, that. Gonna, <laughs> you know, it's yeah, it's really it's interesting thinking about like intentional language 
And I see a lot of comics doing that. Like, if I say dick here, if I say fuck here, you know, they'll really, mm-hmm. like, laugh. And it never works. If you try- I, I had one early on. I got it into my – I don't know if this is true or not, but I had, like, a like a thing where it's funnier to say b-hole than asshole. <laughs> like, for some reason, to me, it's just funnier to say b-hole. Yeah. I don't know why, but, yeah. it, but it works. It's definitely more unique, for sure. Yeah. It's, 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 it's like a little less disgusting. Yeah. And it's definitely something people will not forget. Like, that guy right. just say b-hole. Like, it's on. Yeah, exactly. It's a, you're the b-hole guy. <laughs> yeah, that's me, b-hole guy. Yeah, that's your, there's your first t-shirt right there <laughs> for you. All right, man. Well, I don't want to keep you too long. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. It's fun. Uh, Thanks for doing this. Tell the people where you're at on social media, where they can see you, where they can find you, if you want them to find you. You can find me. Uh, The best place is probably Twitter. I'm on Twitter way too much at Casual Thursday. Cool. And I'm if I'm ever doing shows and stuff, that's usually where I post about it. All right. Catch Peter at Casual Thursday on Twitter and be sure to catch him all around the city of Birmingham. I promise you, you will not regret it. Pete, thank you so much for being here and I hope our paths cross again soon. Me too. Yeah, let's do it soon, man. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming to another installment of Ezra's Extraordinary Extravaganza. This podcast was created and hosted by me, Ezra Brown. Its executive producers are me and Alex Gunderson, who is also my editor and art designer. This podcast is a product of Hogfellow Studios and features royalty-free music by Auntie Luode. We'll see you again next week. Thank you so much.